Beaumont. Think of the last time you went and got street tacos. How much was each taco? Um, I have a really cool place around here. And so they're about like they're different like they're different prices on different days. Yeah. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays they're really cheap. I think they're like ninety nine cents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, outside of that, they're like a dollar something. Yeah, and even if you go to some place like Del Taco, it's like a dollar something. Yeah. Right. So they have a lot of like they have a lot of ninety nine cent tacos at Del Taco. Okay, let me tell you something that's gonna make you angry. In Hawaii, <laughs> if you go to a restaurant and buy a taco, it's anywhere from 3 to $6. That is ridiculous. And there's a few people that are trying to open up, like, little, um, like, taco trucks and, like, uh, you know how people open up on, like, the side of the street, little, like, small mom-and-pop places? There is still, like, 2 $3. And I'm like, y'all gots to be kidding me. <laughs> Those better be some really good tacos. Y'all better season them to the gods. They better be the best <laughs> damn tacos I've ever had. <laughs> I'm Lamont, and I'm celebrating my one quarter of Latino heritage this month. And I'm Leia. I always get mistaken for a Latina, but I'm not. <laughs> and you're, you're tuning in to the Lamont, Lamont and Leia Podcast. <laughs> so if you didn't guess from the introduction, we are celebrating Latino heritage this month. And to help us celebrate, we have invited back the gorgeous professor, um, Francisco Rodriguez and my dear friend Elvira Vargas and they'll be talking with us today and we'll be learning a little bit more about Latinx culture and how it came about and how we can better support each other. Awesome, sounds great. All right, welcome back Francisco and welcome Elvira to the Lamont and Leia podcast. I'm with Francisco, would you take a moment to reintroduce yourself to our listening and viewer audience? And Elvira, after Francisco's done, will you please introduce yourself to our listener and viewer audience? Yeah, so uh, I'm Francisco. I am a communication instructor um, in SoCal. So I've been teaching for a couple years now, almost uh, oh, three years, um, communication courses mainly. Um, I also do, um, I've also done like human resources type of work. And I like to say that I'm pretty, that I like to be pretty active with community uh, based work. Um, a lot of the times it, it, it um, involves like LGBT uh, related things or, um, uh, you know, uh, people of color, uh, POC related work or research and things like that. Um, and that's mainly my main uh, like area of interest. Excellent. Hi, um, my name is Elvira and welcome guys. But um, basically what I am a soon to be registered associate of marriage and family therapist and clinical counselor. 
Um, and most of my work has been in the um, working with uh, at-risk youth and families for the past eight years. And um, I also worked in the after-school program and doing um, the educational part and working close with um, low-income communities and things like that. So, and that's pretty much it. And I also am colleague and friend of Lamont. And so that's pretty much my introduction. All right, thanks guys. So we are celebrating National Hispanic Heritage Month. It's the month of September and we're celebrating it. And that's gonna be our topic today, Latinx culture. And we kinda of wanna learn a little bit more about it. So the first question is, well, Leigh, did you wanna ask the first question or did you want me to ask the first question? Um, I'll ask my follow-up question after. <laughs> cool. All right. What is Latinx? And how would you explain it to someone who's not familiar with the term? Well, the dictionary um, translation, uh, the what we know as far as um, dictionary and Google tells us is that Latinx means a it's a non-binary, non-gender um, to the word Latino or Latina. So um, just to be more inclusive, more terminology, more inclusive terminology, and to you know our LGBTQIA community, and just to be more inclusive in our own language and the way of we express ourselves. And that's my understanding of the Latinx term. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I also I also agree. Um, I, Latinx is typically um, used as a, a genderless, um, you know, it's taking away the A and the O, uh, which is feminine and masculine in, in Spanish language. Um, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be inclusive. Um, there's always ongoing debates about the term Latinx. Um, but yeah, it, it, in general, like Latinx is just meant to be uh, more inclusive. And, uh, and it's also supposed to like, uh, uh, kind of like respect the indigenous um, cultures as well, like people, you know, just people being mixed with indigenous blood. So um, it kind of, it kind of wants to cover like the whole thing. It's almost like an umbrella term, as far as I know. I've, I've heard people say that they don't really like the phrase Latinx uh, and that it was like created by non Latinx people and that like the more I guess true to the language would be Latine. Thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> That's just what I've heard. You guys have any thoughts on that? <laughs> um, I mean, <clears throat> so I've heard one of the issues with Latinx is um, that the X itself is mainly is mainly like it derives from Mexican culture. Mm -hmm. um, but the term Latinx really just refers to everyone. So, you know, even if you're like from Guatemala or um, El Salvador, you can still be Latinx. But the issue that they have is that Latinx itself um, derives from just Mexican culture. So then they're saying, how is that inclusive if it's a term uh, from from that culture, right? So, and then and you want to cover everyone with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just the fact that a lot of people argue that it's an academic word. So like it was made in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and not uh, somewhere else. But 
I, I don't really stand by, by that argument too much because <laughs> I think the per the main purpose um, defeats like you know everything else, right? Because it, at the end of the day, it's it's about inclusivity. So, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, thank you, Elvira. What are your thoughts? So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting the term. Mm -hmm. I find the the term actually pretty interesting as far as the inclusivity. I think it's it's definitely that's the purpose of it and i think that's what it serves um my only argument is um if we wanted to get academic i guess it it, it wouldn't be latinx it would just be latin because we're talking about latin american countries and things like that and if you ask like my parents who are mexican like full-blooded mexicans um i asked them are you are you guys do you guys consider yourself you know latinx or latino or latina they're like we're from north america so they see it more continental than geographical term so they're like we're north americans that's what we are because we belong to the north american hemisphere of it all so i just i'm like okay so it's really like those confusing terms that we're trying to pinpoint but i think um if we spend a lot of energy trying to define um we might get lost in the sauce yeah. of it all that the purpose is to include everyone um as part of our um because we are so diverse we are a diverse culture we have we are unique in itself um we have a history that often is not told to us in school um and we definitely need to start in including our history um as you know as being the western hemisphere and what our stories are of our indigenous um you know brothers and sisters their stories and include their story in as part of our upbringing and so um it's definitely one of those things one of those terms that is just if we try to find some definition or some specific thing to it i think we get lost in the sauce of hey this is an opportunity for us to learn more about our culture and how different and diverse we are okay awesome. so I, th I feel like you guys kind of answered the next question which is why is understanding the term latinx important and why do we need people on board and so what i was hearing it's about inclusivity it's about diversity it's about learning how similar we are but it's still celebrating our differences do I got it right? Yes, that is correct. All right. So, like, is there any other reason why it's important for people to start engaging or using this term? Hmm. That's a good question because um, I am a a person that I don't often use Latinx as a as a term. Um, usually, I usually if I, you know, when somebody asks me, you know, are you Latinx or I'm usually I'm Latina these are my terms these are my pronouns and I'm very firm on that because um as part of my identity I embraced my um, my culture as being female and just um and everything that comes with being a female especially in a Hispanic household and so um and I'm proud of it so that's pretty much my answer 
Uh, yeah, for, as for myself, um, I also just like, I, I typically just identify as Latino. Um, I know when it comes to like academic writing, I, I will use the terms interchangeably, um, but I don't necessarily like prefer Latinx over uh, like Latino or Latina. I think if people, if people, people should always have the option, right, to choose whichever one they want to use. But um, I know like for the, for the title of my thesis, I had it, I had all three. Um, and then throughout the, throughout the paper, I just kind of, uh, so like I would switch them around, right? So just use them interchangeably. And I mean, that seems to work fine. So that's just kind of like my, my take on it. All right, thank you guys, thank you. So how do you guys celebrate your Latinx culture? And how can others help celebrate with you? I have a very empowering mother. She started her own business and she started her doing her own thing. And um, she's been working in a very male dominating um, field, which is architecture and engineering. And so she has her own business now, her own firm, and she definitely does her thing. And um, the way that I celebrate it is by embracing everything that they've done and using it as a motivating factor to what I want to accomplish. And, um, and also not denying my identity, because okay. I think as far as, um, you know, I am a very, um, I'm, I'm a natural leader when it comes to finding myself in spaces as being the only POC in the room and not denying that that's the way that I celebrate my culture because it's easy for us to hide um, and kind of go blend and try to find ourselves blending back into the in the background and kind of not participating and sh- holding firm in our in our identity so celebrating who I am and what I do and where I come from and not denying it is very essential and it, I think it happens, a, I don't know about you, Francisco, but do you feel like it happens with kids who are trying to assimilate, especially coming from migrant families, like, you know, you're trying to assimilate into the, you know, American culture, and it's just like, you're trying to find your space, but at the same time, not, you know, you don't want to deny where you come from, because, you know, we experience, our American experience is a bit different from everyone else's. Um, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think, I think that like as a, as a Latino, um, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like a lot of us do have a very similar journey. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's because of like the interesting relationship that Mexico and the U.S. have always had. Like, even if you look at the history, um, there's always been a, like some type of war, some type of hate, you know, um, violence. Um, but then at the same time, it's like people also, you know, they, the reason why they come to this country is because they need opportunity because they're escaping war, they're escaping violence, um, poverty, you know what I mean? So all of these are, are reasons why we, why our families are over here. Um, but then once we're here, you know, you become like first generation or second generation. Um, and then it's like a whole different, it's a whole different uh, culture, right? Because now you're kind of like you're half and half, right? And so you don't want to for you don't want to forget about your uh, 
just specifically Mexico, right? Yours, your Mexican culture, but then at the same time, um, you also have your American culture. So then it's, uh, it's almost like a third, um, like a third atmosphere, right? Because you're not fully American, but you're not fully Mexican. So, um, and I've always thought that was really interesting. I mean, I talk about that and I've spoke about that in my thesis and, and how that often plays really differently for everyone because everyone can have a different journey. Um, but for me, like also just, I mean, I feel like something that a lot of people don't know or kind of oversee sometimes it's like Mexico is a very, very diverse country. Um, and if you look at the history, like, you know, there's been, there's like Afro Mexicans and, uh, from when the African-Americans crossed over, there's Chinese Mexicans from when the Chinese crossed over, um, to Mexico, and then they would try to come to the U S. So there's a lot of history and a lot of mixtures that happen and people are not aware of that. So then we have like this um, stereotype of what Mexico is or what people in Mexico look like. Um, and even I myself, right? Cause I've looked into this before. So I always acknowledge that I, that I can also be um, what I call, what we call in academia, like a, you could be a colonized colonizer, right? Because I've always referred myself as a white passing Latino, which means like technically I can I can still I can still be colonizing people even though my own people have been colonized, right? So that's like a whole another um, chapter of like self healing and discovering that you have to go through because you know you're I don't navigate the same as other people who don't look like me, right? Even though we could be from the same place. Wow! Thanks for sharing that. I, I didn't realize people would call you you a colonizer. So, well, the thing is, for us that are more light-skinned Latin Mexican Latinos or um, Latinx uh, that are more light-skinned, we have this thing where I think, and I totally, and I Francisco, you reminded me of a my best friend. She's actually her dad is African American and her mom's Mexican, and so she's more darker skin than I am and I remember sitting we love going to Disneyland her and I are just like adult Disneyland fans and so um we were both at Disneyland and you know we were just having dinner and um this family um just kept looking at her and just kind of just sizing her up and I didn't realize um because I've been through some situations where, you know, I've been discriminated against or for my culture or anything like that, or for my ideas and my own thoughts, but I've never experienced where I get certain looks or I get certain things. And for her, she experiences it all the time. And over time, I would observe that, that she would get certain looks or certain um, just dismissive behaviors of people with her and so um to me she's afro-latina you know so to me she's she's um she's beautiful so in not just to say that what i wanted to say is i never really thought about that until recently when i sat down with her and i said hey you know i just want to apologize to you because i never said anything 
about this particular situation. And I want to acknowledge that because you, it's important for me to acknowledge it and acknowledge that um, there is certain things that I have never experienced that you have experienced. And I wanna acknowledge your experience. I wanna acknowledge um, your space um, and definitely your, you know, your upbringing. So it's definitely one of those things where it kind of shook me and made me realize, hey, like I have a certain privilege for being, you know, lighter skinned Latina and passing, you know, like as white. And it's easy for me to blend back and into the background and not claim my POC, you know? And so I think um, it's definitely one of those things where I had to recognize, acknowledge it. And it really, um, for her and I just like, it, we were already like this salt and pepper everywhere. Um, so that just definitely like made the perfect blend to really acknowledge her own experience and existence. Wow. Thanks for sharing that with us, Alvira. It is very important to recognize people's struggle and let them know that we see it and that we respect them and ask them, how can we help you in this struggle? Um, I want to kind of go back a little bit because Francisco, you were talking about like, um, like, being Mexican, being American, and then like that kind of third like thing. And, and it, it brought me back to one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid, Selena, and the clip about Abraham talking about being more Mexican than the Mexican and more American than the American is exhausting. And I kind of wanted to show it because I haven't showed a clip, Leia, in forever. Like we've done several episodes. I was like, man, I have not showed a clip. And so I found it. So I want to show it. So All right. we're gonna All right. we're gonna we're gonna take a look at it. Right I'll here. give you a pass this time <laughs> <laughs> because I also just kind of want to watch a clip of Selena. <laughs> they want us to play Mexico. I got a gig in Monterrey, Mexico. Dad, that man. would That's be so time, cool. I'm not sure of that right now. Come on, Dad. Hey, Dad. You always said everything's a risk, right? They don't accept us with it. They never have. Hello, we're Mexican. No, we are Mexican American, and they don't like Mexican American. That's all the same. And they can be such. mean, and they can tear us apart over there. Oh, Selena's Spanish is... What about my Spanish? I've been singing in Spanish for 10 years. It's perfect. Singing, yes. But when you speak it, you speak it a little funny. And down there, you gotta speak perfectly or the press will eat you up and spit you out alive. I've seen them do it. Oh, Overreacting is usual. Dad, the music will speak for itself, Dad. Listen, being Mexican-American is tough. Anglos jump all over you if you don't speak English perfectly. Mexicans jump all over you if you don't speak Spanish perfectly. We've got to be twice as perfect as anybody else. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why, what's so funny? Nothing. I'm serious. Nothing. Our family serious, has man. been here for centuries, and yet they treat us as if we just swam across the Rio Grande. I mean, we got to know about John <clears throat> Wayne and Pedro Infante. We got to know about Frank Sinatra and Agustin Lara. We got to know about Oprah and Christina. Anglo food is. Too bland, and yet when we go to Mexico, we get the runs. Now that to me is embarrassing. Oh, Japanese Americans, Italian Americans, German Americans, their homeland it's is on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> Ours is right next door, right over there. 
and we gotta prove to the Mexicans how Mexican we are, and we gotta prove to the Americans how American we are. We gotta be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans, both at the same time. It's exhausting. Man, nobody knows how tough it is to be a Mexican-American. Well, Dad, you know, it's a good thing we have frijoles and tortillas to keep oh, our strength up for the job. Now you're making <laughs> No, I'm not. A menudo. Hey, menudo. Mm, hey. menudo. <laughs> now you're making me hungry. <laughs> Come on, Dad. I can do it. I know I can. Really. Trust us. Listen, guys. Let's get through with the tour in California, and then we'll talk about it. Just to, like, finish out the clip, Selena ends up going to Mexico, and she wins them over. And it's a technique I actually use in my work, where she ends up greeting the whole press. And she's like, hola, hola, hello, hi, like, nice to see you. And she gets to the people's level, and they respect her. And she becomes a super mega star. And so um, that's something that I, like, incorporate in my work, especially with teenagers. Like, when I go to class, like, I'll stand next to the door and be like, shake their hand like hey welcome and then like i'll go down to the front and i'll start my presentation and i have rapport with the the students um but going back to that conversation um do you guys did you do you guys really um what abraham said do you guys resonate with that yes <laughs> um some part of it it's not yes definitely yes um it, it's funny because my family has a you know i don't know about my family has a thing about you know not calling us by our names but by like a nickname and my nickname is Wera, which means blonde and that was because when I was a baby my hair was blonde um but of course it got darker because you know the ancestors kicked in and that was it of that but <laughs> so um yeah and um and it's funny because till this day my siblings call me Wera, my family my aunts and uncles everyone my cousins everyone calls me Wera um, because to them I'm the most American of all my like cousins who live here in the states and I'm also the lighter skinned one and more lighter than and actually my brother's more lighter skinned than I am but for some reason like um, I'm the Wera so yeah definitely like I get what he was saying um, and I've just grown up with the term and the nickname and I actually, every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh, like it was, it's a response to, um, our culture. So definitely it's hard. It's hard. I hear the struggle is real. What about you, Francisco? Do you resonate with what Abraham was saying? Uh, I do a little bit, um, just because like, I'm not super close with like, um, I guess like my Mexican side of the family only because like my family is small to begin with. And so we only have like a, a like some family me uh, members in Mexico, but even then I'm, I've never been close or traveled too much out there. Um, so that kind of separates me a little bit from the culture, but, but I know myself to be like Mexican American based on the culture here in the U S right. And based on the people I've met and my family here, you know, and stuff like that um so i can relate in that sense um i mean i remember like sometimes uh i like my white friends would be like oh you have an accent <laughs> you know and like they would tell me that but then like my uh my my latino friends like they were like oh no like you you, you speak normal like i don't hear it right so like little things like that i always thought they were funny um uh, which makes sense i mean my first language was spanish but um 
Yeah, it's, I think it's it'll, it'll always be an interesting dynamic. Um, and I think it's just just because of our of our history um, of the of the two countries and how much they've crossed over each other, you know, so many times. Um, but I mean, I don't know, I guess that also like it's interesting about um, how Elvira was talking about uh, the nicknames, because, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm sure a lot of cultures do that as well, but um, a lot of the nicknames that, that we do are based on like physical traits. Um, and a lot of the times it's like, I don't know, I've always thought it was interesting how a lot of the times they do relate, they go back to, to colorism, even though we don't, like for us, it's like a cute little thing, but uh, when we think about it in the in long term, um, it actually does go back to colorism and and like favoring some people over others. So I've always thought that was interesting. All right. So we've actually kind of touched on some of the different challenges within Latina X culture. Like I know in Black culture, there's challenges in um, LGBT culture. There's challenges some of the greatest challenges within the Latinx community? I mean, what like what initially comes to mind is mainly like the stereotypes I feel that people have about uh, Latinos. So, I mean, even like rhetoric that Trump would say, you know, uh, that we're violent people, that, um, you know, we come to steal jobs. Um, so like these type of things, they, I mean, whether we believe it or not, they do stick to some people. And so then that's the image that they have of us. Um, so that's always been a challenge because I feel like it's always been a stereotype, like, um, or also if they, if like a lot of people, if they, if they see you and they see that you're like dark skin, they automatically assume maybe you don't speak English or, you know, things like that. Um, which again, it's like, you shouldn't be assuming, but that's what happens. Um, and then the other thing is like, well, I guess we're, it's like challenges here, but I also know that a lot of people, they have this concept and like, I'm just talking about Mexico. Um, but a lot of people have this idea that like, you can go to Mexico and just like party and it's like a wasteland and you could get drunk and you can disrespect people because it's Mexico and like no one cares and there's no rules. Um, so I always thought of that concept was interesting too, how even though we're in the same land, but Mexico is always seen as less than. Um, it's always seen as like poverty, violence, drugs, cartels. Um, but then the moment you cross back to the U.S., it's like you're in safe territory. Um, even though there's shootings here every, you know, every so often as well, True. Um, that go unreported. You know what I mean? So I think that that misconception also plays into like the stereotypes that we already have. All right, thank you for sharing. Alvaro, do you um, have any opinion on this? So, yeah, I mean, just to add to what Francisco was saying, um, I think some of the stereotypes to add, it's like, you know, I think there was a comedian said, I don't know how we're doing this. Apparently we're too lazy, but we're taking everyone's jobs. So, you know, <laughs> you know and I was just like, yeah, that, that, I mean, that apparently, so um so it just it's those stereotypes of like um even some of our own personal stereotypes that I think about um you know I recently recently I grew up in a very rural area of California so I grew up very 
um, you know, just rural um, side of Riverside. And um, recently I purchased, a, you know, a nice car, let's just say that. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, I drove up to the, to the market and there was like this, like, you can tell um, there were these, um, you know, comadres talking and stuff like that. And obviously because I'm a letters que Latina, I'm assumed not to speak um, proper Spanish. And the thing is that I'm probably most fluent than my siblings. Um, and even my sister, more fluent than my brother, but definitely my sister is the most fluent because she actually went to school in Mexico. Um, they assumed that I didn't speak English, Spanish. And so they met, they, I heard, I was getting back in the car after I was purchasing and they just automatically assumed that um, they said something, de seguro esta tiene marido rico, meaning, um, they're assuming, meaning for sure she probably has a rich husband. And I was just like, um, no. <laughs> you should be like, I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> You're like, I wish. <laughs> you know um, no, second of all, no, I purchased this with my hard earned money. I went to school, I did my thing, you know, and my, you know, so it's just like one of those things that it's pretty interesting to see those dynamics that we even within our own culture we automatically assume for me being a woman latina that i wouldn't be able to afford something like that by myself that i would have to have some sort of you know some sort of um safety or background um and I, I, I started laughing because I thought it was the funniest thing because they assumed that I didn't speak, you know, Spanish. And I thought it was the funniest thing. And so I told my mom, I came home and I was, I, I told my mom about it and she was laughing because it has happened to her as well, where, um, but for her, she, it's been more of, um, she's probably here, um, because her husband sent her to take care of this. And um, in reality, she's the CEO and boss of the company. So <laughs> she's the one that runs everything. So it's just an automatically assumption. Um, but it's pretty interesting to see those dynamics. And I think, and it also comes from, I think it just comes from those stereotypes that we've placed that also um, in a way our colonizers as well have placed those stereotypes on ourselves and um and it's just pretty interesting to see that see how it has translated into our own culture and um but i thought it was the funniest thing i was like first of all i don't have a husband second of all you know i'm here single so <laughs> i'm doing this thing on my own so let me just <laughs> enjoy this moment but it was pretty interesting to to see it and kind of laugh it out and um but it was interesting to see that, that, that dynamic and kind of observe that dynamic itself and um, to see some of the stereotypes that we've, we've encountered overall. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things that I just want to re recap is people think Latinos or Latin people or Latinx people are lazy, um, that they're here to steal jobs, that... Um, that you need a man to get ahead. Um, 
And so these are some of the ideas that are some of the issues that are running around in the community. And obviously some people, it does work that way for them. Other people, it doesn't. It doesn't apply to all people. And so we need to stop applying it to all people and get to know the individual people that we're talking about. And then um, in your opinion, what do Latinx people need to do to turn the tide to work through these challenges and how can other people support you? I think we've already, we're starting to turn the tide. I think seeing individuals like Francisco who are highly educated and successful people seeing, one of the things that I've observed when I've introduced myself to people, especially within our community um, and said, you know, this is my kind of my titles and this is what I'm here for, it inspires them. So I think what we're doing right now, as far as like, you know, fighting for the dreams that our parents installed in us, really one of the things that my dad taught me at a very young age, and this is something he still says, he says, I cannot give you like riches. I don't have anything to give you as an inheritance other than your education. And so this is the reason we came here is to make sure that you had an opportunity for higher education for more opportunities, not just um, in education, but entrepreneurship. And so if we, I think a lot of first generation um, people, including myself, we just need to continue to do what we're doing right now, which is um, continue to pour into our dreams, into our successes, but also not to forget where we came from. There's a Texas term, don't forget to dance with the, with the, pers- with the one that brung you. Yeah, I think I heard it from Brene Brown and yeah. that, that quote really stood to, out to me because it's important to reach out and, you know, give back to our communities to continue to inspire um, kids that don't probably at home there. Um, there's, you know, my cousins were raised a little bit different than I was. And for some of them, it was either um, school or work. And sometimes the family would pressure them more to go to work and they didn't end up going to school. And so there's still that going on in our, that in, within our culture, in a lot of families, especially a lot of migrant families. Um, So definitely one of those things that continue to push for our dreams and not to forget to pour into our communities uh, when we not, not just when we reach those dreams, but as we're working towards those dreams. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's it's along the lines uh, of what uh, Alvira said too. Um, I think um, you know, well, I mean, I'm I'm an educator as well, but I think knowledge is power, and I think uh, knowledge is something that will get passed on, and um, no one can take that away from you. And I think like absolutely, like the work we're doing now, um, hopefully reaps benefits later on. Um, and, I, and it's not just, I mean, it's like, it starts with education, but, you know, we also need to apply what, we, what we're what we learning um, and we need to actually like, and we do need to contribute back to our communities because I've known a lot of people that don't or they they forgot, right? Or, you know, they're too high to acknowledge the people um, that kind of began the journey with, you know? Um, and honestly, yeah, I mean, maybe I feel like first generation people because we are the first to kind of navigate through everything we fight and we fight hard and and we go like all the way because that's like it's either that or you fall down you know and 
because our parents basically sacrificed everything, we're not one to um, kind of let go easily, right? So definitely as first generation, like we're always pushing boundaries because um, that's all we've known basically, right? That's all we've known our whole lives and that's what we continue to do. Um, yeah, I think that that's mainly it because I've seen it's just, it's because I don't know, sometimes I feel like maybe because I, I have older siblings and I'm like, I wonder if, if like if they had a similar journey, like where would I where would I be? Um, but I don't know. At the same time, I, you know, I'm proud to be first generation. Um, but even like my younger brother, he doesn't he hates school, so he never went to college. Um, so I still feel like singled out because I'm the only one who did. Uh, but again, not that I feel any better than anyone. I think everyone has their journey, but it, it does motivate me though to whatever I, whatever I do, whether it's academic or not, like I'm, I'm always going to push and I'm always going to go into it because that's all I've known. All right. Thank you. Um, I just, I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Uh, so Lamont, your question was like, what do we need to do to work through these challenges and how can people support you? Um, so I just wanted to backtrack to like the stereotype thing and I do think it's not like the responsibility of the people being stereotyped and this goes for all cultures <laughs> um, to like be alone in getting rid of those stereotypes. I feel like it also probably mostly falls on to people outside of those cultures to like defend other people yeah. um so i know i personally like don't allow people around me to take those stereotypes and be like oh yeah that's really funny huh and i'm like no it's not funny <laughs> yeah um because yeah. i know there's a lot of stereotypes for um polynesian people too and i don't let that fly either <laughs> so i just wanted to that out there. Uh, no, Leah, I think what you're saying is important. It's important for us to call out the injustices or things that aren't okay. Um, I think we kind of talked about this when we talked about stigma reduction. Mm -hmm. um, like, you have to speak up. You got to show up. You got to be willing to put yourself out there. And I know it's scary. And um, for some of us, it's going to take us a while to get there. But we do need to get there where we're standing up for everyone. Can I just add a little bit of a- Absolutely. Just to add, um, one of the things that I'm recently learning is to operate in my wholeness, right? Of who I am and, and operating in my wholeness. Um, one of the things that I've learned, and I think one of the things that we have to learn as Latinx community is that um, there, we can't either, let us not dismiss what has happened yeah. and what we've been through because we go through a lot um but also let us not sit in it and say okay this is what happens to me all you know when this situation happens or it's going to happen again it's just the way that it is and that's just that um absolutely not you know and we need to sit in, um, let us process what has happened, the traumas that we've encountered culturally, um, what we've been through the past, even in the past recent years, 
we, I feel like as a Latinx community, we have not catched a break, caught a break from the, you know, the deportations, the um, family separation, the, um, the children that were separated from their families at the border. We have not yet caught a break, I think. Um, even with the previous administration or the one before that one. I don't think we've really caught a break as a community. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to just catch a break. I want to be able to transform and be able to pour into my community as an advocate as um, and not allow them to, yes, we need to process our, the trauma that has happened. Um, the fear that's been installed mm -hmm. in our community. Mm -hmm. um, we definitely need to address it and we cannot excuse it anymore, I guess. That's what I'm, I mean. And not use it also to um, say, well, this is what's happening. I think often we see that um, it's easier to dismiss it, deny it, and then move away from it and kind of go into a different side of the situation uh, we can't do that either so we have to definitely acknowledge it recognize it be healed from it and transform the entire situation and I think the only way we're going to do that is if we continue to just reach for better just to um, get ourselves get more representation on the table um and really, 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 uh, like Francisco said, let us not forget, you know, because there's people behind us that need, need to, need, need it. So um, definitely we need to get on the table and just nonstop and fight for that place on the table. And if we have to take somebody, to, you know, we gotta do what we gotta do to make sure that we create a space for ourselves um because enough is enough enough is enough let's come together i think it would be a great time for a break leia all right let's do that and then we'll be right back today's conversation has reminded me about growing up in california <laughs> I love California. I know you love Hawaii, but I love California. <laughs> but yes, it reminded me about my time growing up in California. So I thought, what better of an activity to do than take a quiz to see how Californian we are? <laughs> Ooh, that's, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I hope right, it's so a little, like, what if I take the quiz and I'd be like, Zero. You are not California. Right? You need to leave like right now. <laughs> Relocate to Texas. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'll do better than me because I haven't lived in California for like 11 years now. <laughs> Has it really been that long? Yeah, I've. It's almost as long as when I lived in California. Oh. Wow. Anyway, let's take this quiz. All right. This quiz is 10 questions long. All right. Okay. So first question is, which is the state flower of California? Holy the sagebrush, the poppy, the Cherokee rose, or the orange blossom? I want to say the poppy, but then, like, you know, California is known for their oranges. So I don't know. Like, I'm going to go with the poppy, but okay. I might regret it. 
poppy. Final answer. All right, next. Hearing Spanish spoken every day would make you feel stimulated, a little nervous, like I was in a foreign country, angry, or kind of frustrated, or right at home. Right at home. All right. Question three. What might the term animal style refer to? <laughs> we are referring to the um, in and out. Um, now I'm hungry, bro. <laughs> yeah, the in and out fries or burger or <laughs> whatever. All right, so the options, even though you already answered it, um, is the way we party in California, dude. That's true. Um, releasing some stress, surfing, dude, or a true. way to order food. I think three of those are true, but the way to order food yeah. would be the correct answer. All right, question four. You overhear someone say, bro, in Cali we love surfing so much that it's like a religion. You know immediately that they are not from California. How? <laughs> Option one, oh. surfing isn't really such a big deal in California. Two, it would be weird for a surfer to compare something to a religion. Or three, real Californians never say Cali. No, we do say Cali, so that's that's not true. I would say surfing isn't really such a big deal in California. I would say it's more of a bigger deal in your state. Yeah, I would agree. I, I know there's a lot of people who say real Californians don't say Cali, but I say Cali a lot, actually. I say Cali a lot. Like, yeah. it's abbreviation. Yeah. Okay, number five. <laughs> What's the first thing you would do in the event of an earthquake? One, <laughs> crawl under some heavy furniture. Two, jump in the pool. Three, run toward a window. Or four, check Facebook. <laughs> I believe the correct answer is one, crawl under some heavy furniture. But I'm pretty sure most people check their Facebooks first I'm in the event of an earthquake. <laughs> I'm under the piano at my house checking Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question six. Which fast food chain did not begin in California? Oh. Option one, McDonald's. Two, In-N-Out. Three, Taco Bell. Or four, Sonic. Taco Bell did. I want to say McDonald's did, but I could be wrong. Um, this one threw me for a loop, too. <laughs> In-N-Out is definitely a California. Yeah. So Taco Bell, In-N-Out for sure. Yeah. It's either between Sonic and McDonald's. I'm going to... I'm gonna go with Sonic. Okay. No, no, I'm gonna go with McDonald's. Okay. I'm gonna go with McDonald's. Okay. McDonald's, final answer. Next. All right, question seven. Which word is most commonly associated with NorCal slang? One, hella. Two, weasel. Three, gnarly. And four, sunbreaks. I'm gonna say it's between hella and gnarly. I didn't even know that's how you spell gnarly. Yeah, that's how you spell gnarly. <laughs> I'm gonna say gnarly. Let's go with gnarly. All right. Question eight. You're, you visit your friend in another state and discover that her town doesn't offer curbside recycling. You, one, just toss all your bottles and cans in the garbage. Three, separate your recyclables even though it's going to the same place. Or three, drive your bottles and cans to another town that recycles. <laughs> drive, drive your bottles and cans to another town that recycles. It's only if you're trying to get the money. If you're not trying to get the money, then I'll just toss the bottles in the trash can or the garbage. Okay, which one? Um, drive your bottles and cans to another town that recycles. Okay. We're, we are big recyclers here in Cali, so I think that's like <laughs> the correct answer. All right, nine. This is a taco truck. How does it make you feel? One, kind of afraid. Two, curious. Or three, hungry. 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 <laughs> Californians love their taco, not their taco trucks. Californians love their food trucks. They just love them. All right, and last question. After an epic week at Burning Man, you wake up on a beach somewhere. 
What question do you ask the locals to find out if you're in NorCal or SoCal? <laughs> One, are you a Giants fan or a Dodgers fan? Two, what kind of car do you drive? Three, who's got the best burritos? San Francisco or LA? Or four, what's the nearest freeway? What's the nearest freeway, probably? <laughs> Although I really do like who got the best burritos. <laughs> I'm going to start an argument. <laughs> Obviously, LA has the best burritos. There you go. Obviously. There's only one answer. <laughs> All right, let's submit this and see what your results are. All right, Lamont, your results are 67% California. Maybe you weren't born here, but at least you headed west as early as you could. The governor approves. Whatever, I was totally born here. I was born in Orange County, Santa Ana, 1987. <laughs> moved to Reno Valley, California, where Leigh and I met, and I grew up for there for 18 years. Don't tell me I'm not from California. <laughs> You want to know what my results were? Yes. What were your results? 68. You got one more percentage. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I want to look up if Mc, where McDonald's was. Originated? Let's let's, because, let's solve that mystery. Because right. I said McDonald's, but I don't know. Oh, so. no. Dude, it started in San Bernardino. Holy crap. Then it was it was Sonic. Look it was Sonic. Sonic. So you were right about that one. Whoa. I didn't know it was right I didn't know there. it started in San Bernardino. Like, I'm right living there. in Colton, San Bernardino County. So it was right there wow yeah it was right next to home all right well i guess you're only 67 percent californian they can i'm not gonna say what they can do but <laughs> <laughs> we'll get canceled but you know what they could do <laughs> let's get let's get back to our guests all right let's do this <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming on the Lamont and Leah podcast to talk with us today. Uh, before you guys go, if someone wanted to reach out to you guys, talk with you, or maybe have, you know, further this discussion, what would be the best way for someone to reach out? Elvira. Well, you can reach me at Instagram. Um, I think it's, um, you guys can find me. It's Elvira K. Vargas. Um, but mostly emails. So I'll just put my email out there. Just go ahead and email me if you have any questions or further this conversation. Um, definitely, if you send mean, mean, co mean comments on my email, you're going to be blocked. <laughs> send mean comments on her email. Lamont and I are going to come to your house. <laughs> so, and I'll just say my email. It's E, it's E-L-V-I-V-A-R-G-E at gmail.com. Um, and you guys can reach out to me that way if you want to further that conversation or if you need resources about mental health, about anything that you might need as far as mental health especially in the latinx community mental health is something we definitely need to eventually talk about um but definitely if you will need resources as far as mental health or anything like that just reach out i'm willing to um find a place for you and or if you just want to add another friend and be a friend hey i welcome new friends so definitely awesome thank you and francisco how can we reach out to you? Yeah, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Fran J Rod, basically. <laughs> so my name shortened, and then also my my email is the same, but franjrod at gmail.com. So it's pretty simple. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. So I'm I like to stay active on LinkedIn, sort of, kind of. <laughs> um, and yeah, and basically, you know, I'm I'm always open to projects to 
whether community-based project or you know academic projects i like to be involved um i recently did like a, i recently did like a, a 5k run for uh to raise funds for uh, palestinian refugees so you know just like literally things like that um and all uh, and obviously also uh, any lgbt uh, resources or related uh things as well is pretty much in my ballpark but yeah feel free to find me speaking of projects leia um are there any projects that you guys are working on that you want to share and tell everyone about sure so i'm working uh, currently working on something called kingdom intellects which is a, a project that i'm working on to um also, I'm also going to be creating a podcast for it and an Instagram page for it, which is pretty exciting. It's just basically a Kingdom Intellects is a network of young professionals who have a background um, who believe in Christ. And um, we just want to, I think one of the things that I, I was talking to a friend about is just, I feel like um the church has a little bit of dismissed the new young millennials and Gen Zers um, to because we are more diverse and we are definitely more conscious of how power and control installed in the church. And we're just like, we don't want any part of that. And so I think we need to create avenues for our communication, avenues for networking, and just avenues to make sure that we are we are connecting with other um pocs that are also in the faith and who are just wanting to have a safe space to kind of communicate some of their thoughts and their beliefs and how do we you know just create that um at atmosphere so i'm currently working on that that's my pro my next project i'm looking forward to it of sharing that and um everyone's welcome so all right that sounds exciting I'm organizing a TED talk with Cal State um, University San Bernardino. Uh, this is going to be the second yeah. time we do it, so that's pretty exciting. Um, but besides that, I'm not doing much, unfortunately, because I am leaving California uh, for for a while. I'm teaching out at at Florida. Oh wow! Uh, so I'm actually going to be down. So we will see how that goes, but you can still reach me and. You know, ask me any questions or anything like that, and I'll be more than happy to help and contribute in any way. All right, how exciting! So, um, last time you were on our podcast, you talked about the first time you guys were organizing the TED Talks. How did that go? Yeah, that that went pretty well. Um, I mean, because of COVID, it, it was online, um, so there wasn't much of a <laughs> like a fuzz about um, getting together and celebrating and all that good stuff. Sponsors. Um, it was just very simple. It was a, a link YouTube video. All the speakers were there, like basically the video team, you know, did their magic and uh, the video was awesome. It had over a thousand views and after like four days. Um, wow. So, you know, it's just good stuff, right? And really, really good topics and conversations that yeah. I think a lot of students and faculty and just community found really interesting. So um, lastly, guys, lastly, is there a message that's just in your heart that you would like to share with us today? It doesn't have to be about the subject. It can be about anything. Remember to live your wholeness. So live everything about you, who you are, and 
don't even your strengths even your weaknesses like live out your wholeness and um remember that you do have a purpose so it doesn't matter whether you are in the within the latinx community or wherever you're at or you're part of the lgbtqia community it doesn't matter live out your purpose does not matter where you come from or what you've been through live out your purpose live out your calling and remember that you are whole you've been through it all you've been through some stuff and they have affected you but it's okay it, those are part of our experiences those are make those are part of what our stories and um let us not be defined by that and just focus on our per, our wholeness and living out a whole life and and, and our identities it, just living them out and being who you are and and living out your purpose so whether it be here in california or in florida <laughs> live out your purpose thank you for thank that. you all I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i would like to just say um you know even though white people or any people like they always want poc to educate themselves but you know what the history is there the research is there they should do their own also we shouldn't always have to be telling be educating th those people you know what i'm saying yes um i believe in working together and we can collaborate but we shouldn't have to do the work for them um and then close with my tattoo which says trust the voice within so Aww. just always trust your voice within awesome thank you guys so much for joining us today Today's life lesson is embracing your culture. Growing up, being a black person in America and hearing a lot of negative stereotypes that surrounded being black, my initial reaction was to reject my so-called culture. This was easy at first because I had no sense of tradition or cultural ties to my heritage. Being a mixed person, I gravitated to my Latin heritage. Later, I would learn to respect the people that had lost their lives for being black or African-American. Later, I would realize my culture is an American culture and that's okay. Today's life lesson is about embracing all the different aspects of your culture. Understanding that many of us are multicultural and we are beautiful. I stand before you as African-American, sometimes, ref sometimes referred to as Black, Costa Rican, Adventist, and an American. And these are all different parts of me, and I embrace them all. Will you embrace the different parts of you? And that is today's Life Lesson. has been the Lamont and Leia podcast created by Lamont Damon and Leia Nakahiki special thanks to our guest Elvira Vargas and our returning guest Francisco Rodriguez this episode's topic was brought to light by Lamont Damon
This episode was edited by Leia Nakahiki. Big thanks to Njinue for our music. Let us know what you thought of today's show or give us some suggestion topics. Message us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Did you know you can also watch our show on YouTube? Links to our channel can be found in the show description. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>